All right. Well, if, if you're new to River Valley Church, I'm so glad that you're here and that you found us and that God has brought you here. Uh, it's, it's exciting times at the church. And for me, this is an opportunity for me to, to share my heart, my passion with you. And so typically I'll share six to seven times a year. And this is one of those opportunities where I get to share an open message. So typically I'm within a theme or a series that we're, we're talking about as a church. This is an open week. So I'm going to share with you some vision and I'm going to preach a little bit too. But I just feel like there's so much that is happening at our campus. God is doing such great things. I just want to tell you about them and get us prepared for the future. It's, it's so good. So I want you to know that, again, if you're new, uh, this will serve as a warning for you. And if you have been around for a while, you, do, you can amen this. Uh, but what God is doing here at this campus, at, the, at this church, is not normal. God, God's hand of favor is upon River Valley Church and the leadership, and we are moving forward in, in just a, a, a way of blessing God's favors upon us. And it's, it's amazing. Amen? Amen. God is doing great things. And so, you know, again, if, if you're new to church and you're thinking, man, this, this is normal, I just want you to know this is not. God is blessing us. And you are, you, you jumped on board at the right time. And we're all experiencing, we're, we're, we're all experiencing God's tremendous blessing and favor upon our church. Um, I, I want to let you know too, if you're here, if you're here this morning, uh, this church will change you. And I, I, I get emails, I have conversations, coffee dates, dinner dates, prayer times with people that are saying, you know what, this church has changed my life. This church has changed my life. It's offering hope, it's life-giving, it's accepting. All those things are true, but you need to know we take zero credit for it. Zero credit for it. Pastor Rob, myself, Pastor Dave, Pastor Matt, we take zero credit for it. It is the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit that is moving in lives and moving in our church. It's not about us. It's about what Jesus is doing in us and through us. Amen? Amen. And so if, you, if you're thinking, man, I feel something. This is different than what I grew up with or this is different than what I thought it was going to be. I just want you to know it's Jesus. It's the love of Jesus and his Holy Spirit moving in our church, just making us feel a part of what he wants to do in our lives. I love that. You know, um, again, I think about what God's doing. We're moving fast. We're taking a lot of ground as a church. It's, it's, a, it's a fast ride. If I were to equate what God is doing at this church to a ride at Nickelodeon Universe, it would be SpongeBob SquarePants Rock Bottom Plunge. Who's, who's been on that ride? It'll change your life. You'll probably change your square pants after you get off the ride. It's amazing. It is, it'll, it's changed my life dramatically. So it's good. But you know what? I, I, when I think about that, man, we are, it's, we are moving fast. It's fun. It's thrilling. There's adrenaline. There's excitement around the church. And it, those are all true things because God is really doing something special. And really, we are blessed to be a part of the ride. It's so, it's so exciting. And I think about the Savage Campus and what God is doing here at the campus. We continue to see people find us in this obscure location. And it's amazing. That's a miracle in itself that people find us and we're, we're, we're growing. Um, typically, uh, on a weekend right now, we're averaging about 1,000 people. So we, we see tremendous uh, attendance with our kids and those that are here this morning. We just see God doing great things in terms of growth. Um, a growth trend for, actually, I got, I got to mention this first. Easter's coming up. Uh, I don't want to miss this. Easter's coming up. Easter is eight weeks away. Amen. That means it's getting warm. Only seven more snowfalls until Easter. <laughs> Cannot wait. Uh, but I'll say this. We're expecting roughly about 1,400 people. We're adding two new services to the campus. We're expecting an influx of four to 500 people to come to check out church. This is like one of their uh, uh, services, one, one or two per year that they come to church. They're looking for a church. Who are you inviting? 
People want to be invited on Easter. So think about friends, family members, coworkers, neighbors that you can invite because they're looking for an opportunity to go to church. And so again, seize that opportunity. But um, when I think about what God is doing um, and what's going to happen again, Easter's going to hit. We're going to see an influx of people. We're going to see some growth. There's been a growth trend that, is, that we've been tracking for the past probably two years at the campus. And, uh, and it's this. Over the past couple years, we've seen this trend of very little people come to church and really receive Jesus as Lord and Savior at the Savage Campus. It's been noted. Leadership's been like, Pastor Chris, why aren't there more salvations at the campus? And I'm like, you know what? That's a great question. Let me, let me, let me, let me figure that out. And so, but what we have seen is that very little few, very few people that are saying, you know what? I don't know Jesus. Tell me about him. We've had a lot of people that say, you know what? I'm from this church. I'm from this location. I've relocated from, from this area. I was a leader in this church. We've seen a lot of people come from either different churches or they come and they have a foundation of faith. They're Christ followers. They are committed believers and they're joining our campus. So I see that growth trend and I say, God, you know what? Thanks for doing that. Thanks for sending us a base, a foundation that we can grow upon. That's, that's what I see happening. God has positioned you in this church to be a foundation for growth. So I'm going to, part of my, my message is going to be flavored around that, that what has God brought us and what are we doing? And if you're here and you are one of the few that says, you know what, Pastor Chris, I have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior over the past year. Guess what? I'm so thankful that you're here and you are a part of our foundation now. We're, we're gonna, God's going to use you to make a difference in this church. We're going to get you on board. I'm so thankful you made a decision to follow Jesus. But again, that growth trend to me says, you know what, God, God has given us an amazing amount of committed believers that can jump in and make a difference right now. Last week, I had a guy come up to me that's been a part of our church for about five, five to six months. And he came up to me and he says, Pastor Chris, he's like, I got to give you a brand new KB commitment card. He's like, I heard Pastor Rob share. He's like, I turned in a card several weeks ago. Here's my card. I'm doubling what I committed. And he gave a significant amount. And we had a little moment out there. Where I, I got a little emotional because I'm like, you know what? Uh, Joe, this is why you're here. Because Joe is leading a life group and he's giving and he's serving. He jumped right in in all phases and he's going for it. He's not holding back. He's not checking it out. Some of you have said, because you've told me, so I'm just quoting you. Some of you have said, Pastor Chris, I'm just here to church shop. We're church shopping, kind of checking it out. Checking out the merchandise, all right? Uh, uh, that's fine. That's fine. If you want to check out the merchandise, shop a little bit. But uh, now it's time to uh, make some transactions, invest in your church, and start serving and engaging and giving and being a part of what God's doing. Amen? Amen. Some of you shoppers didn't say amen yet, so we'll have to work on that. But God's doing great things. And, and I think 2014, again, the, the calendar year, it turned. And in my heart, right away, I felt like God was saying, prepare. The year's not even done with, and God's saying, prepare for what's to come. And that was a personal mandate God put on my heart as a pastor, as a leader. I got to prepare for our young staff. We need to prepare. We're adding a, a dozen deacons, and so we're going to double our, our, our leadership base as deacons. And so we're going we're gonna to double it again in 2015. But if you didn't know, we're building a building, and our lease is up in March. We plan to move into that new building. Finances and building project uh, uh, permitting, as long as it all goes through fine, we're going to move into a brand new building and we're going to see explosive growth in 2015. 
So really 2014, it's a year of preparation. We got to get ready. We got to get everybody at this campus on board, ready for what God wants to do in our midst because it's going to be out of this world. We're, really, we're going we're gonna to land at that new campus and people are going to say like, where did you come from? Who are you people? Because there's like a thousand strong and more. And wh- where have you been? We can say we've been on Eagle Creek Parkway hidden in this little community. We can show them, right, where we've been. But God's going to do something great. And so again, it's a season of preparation for leadership for, and, and for our campus. God wants to mature us and take us to the next level. And so again... I feel like God is saying for our campus, explosive growth's coming. Get ready for it. I believe we're going to see hundreds of, of salvations uh, when we open those doors. I believe we're going to impact the tribe, the Latino community, and the Russian community. Because there's pockets of, of those communities out there. There are mission fields, many mission fields in our backyard that we have to impact. There is a growing uh, poor and forgotten community in the Shakopee area. Some of you know it, some of you don't, but they're there and they're forgotten. We don't see it, but they're there and we as a church have to make a difference. We got to find where they're at. We have to make a difference within those areas of hurting people, poor people, forgotten people. Amen? We got to do that. And so, and I believe, and I shared this last night, uh, I believe that we're going to see hundreds of young people rise up to represent Jesus in their schools. I get excited about that. Because that's our future leaders and that's our future church. And so I believe that God's going to do so many great things um, in our future, but we have to prepare. 2014 is our opportunity to prepare. And so, uh, so many of you get how to serve, how to tithe, how to contribute, how to be a part of the church, because many of you are believers. Again, God has given us a foundation of believers. And other areas, Minatrista, they've seen a dramatic growth in salvations. So God's doing something different at each campus. But for us, we have a base of believers. Uh, and again, some of you may be here and salvation's a brand new thing for you, or maybe you're trying to figure it out. I'm so thankful you're here. That's why we're here for you. But for the rest of us, we understand what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a Christ follower. And my desire this morning is to simply inspire you to do it at the next level. I want to inspire you to serve Jesus, to follow Jesus at the next level, because great things are coming. And, uh, and I, I want to share a passage out of Romans. Paul's talking to the Roman church, and he's saying, you know what? Roman church, believers, get ready. Something's coming. And so what he shares, I think, is so timely for us at this campus. And so in Romans chapter 13, I'm going to read Paul's words out of the message version, a very everyday kind of uh, terminology, but uh, hopefully it hits home. Receive this uh, from Paul, from me to you. Receive it as, as a mandate for our campus. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute. That's what I feel for our campus. We can't afford to waste a minute. We must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence and sleeping around in dissipation. That's your word for the day. Go Google it. In bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. Church, Paul is basically taking the role of a parent and he's walking into the room of a teenager that has overslept for school and saying, get up. It's time to go. Like you're going to miss the bus. 
I've been there several times, unfortunately, in my high school career where I, I overslept. And mom's like, Chris, get up. Like, get out the door. And so, like, you take water. You, you get your hair all wet. You throw on clothes that don't match. Maybe you brush your teeth if you remembered. And you're out the door. And you're one hot mess. And you look gross. And no one wants to sit next to you. And it's a disaster. You have a horrible day, right? Horrible day. And Paul is saying, Paul is saying to the Roman church, and again, I'm saying to us, let's, let's be alert Let's be sharp. Let's be awake and ready for what God wants to do in our midst because it's going to be amazing. We're on the cusp of a great day and God wants us to seize the moment that he's given us. And so, uh, and so again, I, I just sense this for our campus. God wants us to get ready. Um, some of you know I like to run and I asked one of my good friends a couple years ago, about four years ago, I said, hey, I said, you ran marathons. Tell me your plan. Like, how did you do it? You've ran two. Um, you, what was your strategy? What was your training like? What was your goal, your time? G- like, give me information. You're a smart guy. You're a goal setter. You're, you're an athlete. Give it to me straight. Here we go. I'm ready to take notes, right? I got my little notepad out. Uh, and he's, he's like, you know what, Chris? He's like, I just wanted to finish. I'm like, what? Like, that's it? Like, that's all you got for me? And he's like, I just wanted to finish. He's like, my goal in running the race was to simply finish. I'm like, why are you my friend right now? That's so weak. That's so weak. Seriously. And I'm like, ah, there's got to be more to running the biggest race of your life than just simply wanting to finish. And for some of us, we've been a Christian most of our lives. Again, I, this is a message for believers. Um, you've been a Christian your whole life. Or maybe you've been a Christian for maybe six months or a year or five years. Wherever you're at in, in, in your growth, maybe for some of us, our goal is saying, you know what, God? I just want to get to heaven. My goal is to get to heaven. That's my goal as being a Christian. I come to church because I want to get to heaven. I pray because I just want to get to heaven. That's your goal. I'm going to say this. That's a weak goal. And, and if that's your goal similar to the person that just has the goal for a marathon just to finish, you're going to struggle. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. There's a big difference between finishing first and finishing last in a marathon. If you've ever seen a marathon, those that finish last, they look awful. They struggle. It is, it is, that's the worst thing they've ever done in their life. They're, they're, they're half in shape. They're pulling muscles, blowing ACLs. They're puking. It's awful. It's an awful experience. So you got to have a plan and a strategy, right? If you're going to do it the right way, if you're going to finish strong, those that are finishing first, it's victory. They are loving the experience. They are soaking it in mile by mile, passing up people. It's one of the greatest experiences of their life, and they do it again and again and again because they did it the right way. And for some of us, God has given us so much, and God has, God has asked us to do so much, and he's given us so much talents and abilities, and we know that, man, there's so much to living this life than to simply getting to heaven, but for whatever reason, we're stuck. We're stuck, and I want to inspire you this morning to go to the next level of living and truly give God all that you are. Here's the deal. What we do right now will determine what we will do for all of eternity. What we do right now, this very minute, will determine what we will do for all of eternity. Again, Paul was saying to the, to, to the church in, Roman, uh, in Rome, don't waste a minute. Don't waste a minute. And that's my prayer for us. Is that, God, we wouldn't waste a minute. We wouldn't waste a talent, an ability, a passion that you've given us. We won't waste it for anything. But God, we would give you our best. How many of you have seen the movie Gladiator? All the men said, right on, right here, brother. Right? You've seen the movie Gladiator? 
Russell Crowe, he's got a sword. He's riding around on his pony, getting the soldiers all fired up or a horse, whatever it is. Getting them all like all hot and bothered and they're ready to go to battle. And, and he's saying, he says this, he says, brothers, he's like, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. Russell Crowe is preaching scripture and he doesn't even know it, right? Hollywood is getting it right for the first time ever. Because that thought, what we do in this life echoes in eternity, is 100% scripture. That is right on and that is true. What we do in this very moment, day by day, will, will, be, will be rewarded and it impacts our future. Let me tell you what, what, what that's about. In Matthew chapter 25, we see a parable of three servants. This master is, is giving out uh, bags of money, some silver called talents. And he's got five to you, two to you, one to you. Gives them these bags of money and says, you know what? Go, go get me a return. Go do well with this money. Sends them on their way. Calls them back and they stand before the master, these servants do, with, with their return. And we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 25, verse 19. This is what goes down. And I, I'm going to share with you, this is what God is going to do with all of us. We're going to have a moment where we stand before our Heavenly Father, before Jesus actually, and give an account for how we stewarded and lived our lives. Verse 19, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they, how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. What a great response. What a great moment for that servant. Love it. Second servant. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together the exact same response as the first one. The third one, which we're not going to read because I don't want to focus on that at this moment. The third one was essentially condemned. Condemned to hell. Because he was given one talent, he dug a hole and buried it, did nothing with it, squandered what he was given, and his return was nothing. And the master's like, didn't you know? Didn't you know? I, I, I wanted more. I, I gave this to you so that you could use it and benefit, benefit me, benefit my kingdom. The servant squandered it. When you think about the other two that received a reward... The master rewarded their faithfulness and stewardship. One had five, one had two. They both doubled uh, different amounts. They got the same response because they maximized what they had. And so I think about um, our campus and I think about what God is doing. And we got a lot of people that are believers that understand how they're gifted, that understand how to contribute to a church, that understand how to live righteous and, and be a light and win the loss and all that kind of good stuff. We need to maximize and go to the next level and give God all that we are. Here's the deal. God will reward you based on what you do, not what you have. Some of you thinking, man, I wish I had this talent. I wish I had more of this. God, God's not going to reward you on your want. He's going to reward you on what you currently have. And so you may have just a little. You may have two talents. 
maximize it, make the most of it and get the reward that God has for you. Some of you have a lot. God has given you a lot. Some of you are blessed with the gift of generosity. We've been talking about giving and money. It's a big deal if you have that gift. Some of you have the gift of hospitality, the gift of service. Some of you have the gift of leadership. Uh, Take what you have and use it and maximize it for God. Because he's, he's trying to, he's looking at, he's trying to figure out, he's like, what are they going to do with what I've given them? What are they going to do? Maybe I gave them just a little bit. What are they going to do? Are they going to make the most of it? Are they going to squander it on the things of this world and temporary things and chase things that mean nothing? What are they doing with what I've given them? We all want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, right? Just like the, the, the two servants who want to hear that, be in that moment where, where our heavenly father says, well done, good job. We want to hear that. But right before that actually happens, I already mentioned it, but we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account for how we lived our lives. And so real quick, I, just say, I need to lay this out. If you are a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus in your heart and you, you have received salvation, when you stand before Jesus and your Heavenly Father, your sins are not what you give an account on. Just for clarity, some of you think, man, I'm... I got to give a, a judgment day. It's going to be like, I got to talk about my sins and God's going to get my rap sheet and all the things I've done. That's not going to happen. Pastor Dave already talked about it, but when you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus died on the cross, not for some of your sins, but for all of your sins. And they're gone. They're wiped away. So when, when you stand before your Heavenly Father, because you are, you are a son and daughter of, of, of your Heavenly Father, when you stand in that moment, He's not saying He did this and this and this. There's a different judgment for those that don't know Jesus as their Savior. That's where those sins are accounted for. You as a Christ follower, as a believer, you give an account for how you lived your life, for how you, how you stewarded what God has given you. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. You stand before, before your Heavenly Father and Jesus is going through line by line. Okay, I gave you this and I gave you that. And I bless you with this talent, this ability. What did you do with it? How, how did you live life? That's what you're judged on. You're already in heaven. There's no door B. You're already in, but this is an opportunity to get rewarded for how you lived your life. Do you understand that? Okay. All right. Second Corinthians chapter uh, five, verse nine. This is called the judgment seat of Christ. This is our moment before Jesus. This is what happens. This is, um, this is scripture. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home or in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the, for the things done while in the body, whether good or or bad. We'll have that moment. Jesus in Revelation chapter 22 verse 12 says, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. Jesus wants to repay you according to how you lived your life. This isn't about works to get into heaven. You're already in. You're a believer. Salvation is there. This is a moment to say, God, this is how I live my life. This is how I stewarded all that you gave me. This is about receiving the reward and receiving ultimately the pleasure of your heavenly father. This is good stuff. And this is scripture. And this is what this, again, I want to inspire you. I want you to be inspired to live at the next level and to truly maximize what God has given you. Here's the bottom line. Christ followers are rewarded according to faithful Christian living. When you get to heaven, it's not like everybody, everybody gets a gold star. Everybody gets the trophy. Some of you are parents and you got kids that think they're athletes and you know they're not an athlete. They'll be crushed someday. 
All right? It's just reality. Society has made that everyone gets the blue ribbon and the sticker and the trophy. And we know that's not real life, right? That's not how life works. We don't, we don't all get rewarded equally for simply signing up for something and showing up. We got to work hard. We got to put forth effort, improve, maximize what we have and figure out what we're good at and then, and then pursue those things, right? Uh, God views it the same way. You know what? As you maximize what you're good in, what God has blessed you in, you will be rewarded. You will be rewarded. So the believer's judgment is all about rewarding us for faithful stewardship with our talents, abilities, time, money, resources, and relationship. Why am I talking about this? Because this, it matters to God, so it should matter to you. God has said, I'm going to eternally, forever times eternity, reward you for how you live your life. It matters to me that much. I want to reward you for how you live each day, how you live your life. It matters to God. It should matter to us. So church, I just, I want to encourage you because I know what's coming. I know what God wants to do in our campus and in your life. And I want us to receive all the rewards he has for us. So again, we got to be smart. If it matters to God, it should matter to us. We got to live each day to please God. We got to make the most of what he's given us. And we can't make it, waste a minute of our lives on anything else other than the things of God. So be alert, be awake, and don't miss the bus. Be alert, be awake, and don't miss the bus. Here's the deal. Who has, who has watched the Olympics over the past couple weeks? They're over now, but uh, some, of you, some of you are not patriotic. That's fine. Uh, but the Olympics just ended, in case you have, didn't know they were actually happening. Um, and and I, I watched him a, a lot, probably at least half of the nights I would stay home and I'd watch him. And, and you got pictures and images of figure skaters doing triple axles and any of the programs and just weeping. Did you notice that all figure skaters cried as part of the program? They all cried at the end? I thought that was odd. Okay. Anyway, you got... You got uh, you got cross-country skiers that are skiing and they're giving it their best and they're literally collapsing at the end of their race because they're going for gold. They're giving it all they got. For some of these, these Olympians, this was their last race. They knew this is my last Olympics. This is my last chance to go for gold. I'm going to pour out myself. Again, whether it's the figure skater or the skier or the, or the, the, the bobsled guy or whatever it may be, they, are, they have dedicated years upon years of training for this moment. They have given it their all. They have sacrificed. They have strategized. They have planned, God, how can I, how can I go for the goal? How can I win it all? And they went for it. Guess what? You get one life. You get one chance to maximize what God has given you. There's no second chance in, in the Christian faith in terms of you don't get another redo in life. So we got to say, God, I'm going to be strategic. I'm going to live my life to honor you, to please you, to, to give you the best that I got. So God, when I cross that finish line, because I know I'm going to do it, I got faith, I got salvation. I know I'm going to cross that finish line. But God, when I cross that line, I want to know that I've given it everything, that I've exhausted myself I got nothing left when I cross that line. 
I've saved nothing for myself, Jesus. I've given you it all. So that when I, when I stand before you, Jesus, in that moment where you judge me, and you look at my life and how I live and how I utilize what you've given me, I know in full confidence I've given you my best. There, there may be areas where I stumbled in, where I, I, I sinned in, but Jesus has forgiven me. I know that Jesus, in these moments, I've given you my life. I've exhausted all that I am for your kingdom. And then you will hear the Father say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. Enter into the pleasure of your heavenly Father. That will be a moment. That's your trophy moment. That's your gold medal moment. When you can stand before Jesus and have Jesus just just lavish his pleasure upon you and then the heavenly Father brings you in. That's a moment. Gives you a reward. That's a moment. So church... I want you to be inspired because I know what God has, has for us. There is a, a whole group of hurting people, thousands upon thousands of people, that maybe they've been disillusioned with faith. Maybe they've grown up with a, with a, a, a skewed perspective of who God is. Maybe they are the drug addicts, the hurting people, the people hitting the casinos, tribe people, hurting people. We got all suburban people that have issues. We got people that we need to reach. And church, I need you to be ready. This is your season, your opportunity to prepare. Say, God, I want to maximize and live my life and give you all that I am. God, we don't want to waste a minute. We don't want to waste a minute. We want to make the most of what you've given us. So church, I want to pray a prayer over you. And, uh, and as I pray, if you know that you've squandered what God has given you, maybe you've sat on a talent. Maybe, maybe you're good in a few, but maybe you've sat on a few things that you're like, you know what? That's not me. God has given me so much more to live for, so much opportunity, so much capacity. I've sat on this. Uh, this is your moment to repent. Say, God, I am sorry. Like, as your servant, I want to be faithful. God, I'm sorry. And let God give you thoughts and ideas and strategies uh, to maximize what he's given you. For others, this is a moment I'm going to pray vision over you, that God would enlighten you to what he's blessed you with, that God would, would give you strength and ability to say, God, I'm pressing through my own self, the things that hold me back. God, I'm going for it. So can, can you just take a moment with me just to close your eyes? So I'm going to pray over our campus and all that is to come for us. So Father God, I thank you for those that you've put in our midst. That God, you've given us a church, God, full of, of believers, God, a campus, God, for whatever reason, God, you have, you have uh, put together, God, a campus that is strong, God, that understands salvation, that understands how to serve, how to tithe, how to give, how to lead. And God, I pray that, Lord, we would maximize our talents and abilities, our resources, our finances for you in Jesus' name. And God, for those that maybe have squandered opportunities, that have squandered talents, God, I pray that there'd be a repentive heart in these moments. But Lord, I pray that, that even as we do that, that God, there'd be vision, there'd be strategy, there'd be just a, a discernment, God, of, of what I can do, how I can contribute to your kingdom. So God, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at home, whether it's in the neighborhood, whether it's with friendships, whether it's here at the campus, God, may we engage our talents and abilities so that, Father God, we can hear someday, well done, my good and faithful servant. I am pleased with you. Come receive your reward. God, motivate us, inspire us, God, to go to the next level of our Christian living. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen.